Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Hello and welcome to Frontier Missions Journal. Today's story is called The Call of Juma and it's presented by Salam Barakah, a frontline worker for over 12 years. I was amazed at how God led him to serve him in a foreign land. Right now, Juma and a couple of uh, 12 students and my family of four meet every Saturday for worship in a small apartment in the Maghreb. Juma is from a West African country like me. Before becoming a Christian, he was having a wayward life, smoking, drinking, drug, having all the pleasure that this world can offer. He was always involved in fighting, stealing. Oh, the bad stuff you can imagine that uh, young people can be involved in, to the point that uh, his Muslim father disowned him. And it was a disgrace to the family. And in that culture of shame and honor, a parent cannot afford to keep a son like that. So he has to officially disown him, tell the family, the friends, from today on, Juma, your nephew, your cousin, your son, in Africa, the son belongs to the whole community, the whole family, extended family. He's no more my child. I disown him. So Juma was disowned for many years. He was involved in scams and uh, started putting big earrings, having tattoos, and every time his father will hear about him, about his whereabouts, about what he has been involved in, the father will be so sad. God, how could you give me a son like that? And that was his only son. Juma had two sisters. And in our African culture, we appreciate the girls, but until a family has a boy, that man's uh, lineage is not secure. So Juma's father was so disappointed, so mad at God, and he couldn't believe with all his commitment, its pious life, its religious engagement, God could give him a son like that. So Juma went to different countries, being involved in scams, in prostitutions, in drugs, arrested many times by the police, escaped involving um, shootings, robbing, armed robbing, and etc. But God has a plan for everyone, even the saddest sinner. We all have our stories, and Juma's own was very touching. Juma hears one day, when he was in another country, in West Africa, that his father is on his sick bed, dying, and looking for him. So he got the message from his sister, Juma flies to his home country.
And Juma goes to the hospital. Everybody was surprised to see him. He has been away for five, six years with his very Western, strange-looking style with earrings, tattoos, which is not accepted in the Muslim community. But uh, people accepted him and in the hospital room to see his father. So Juma stand by his father's bed. Father is crying and Juma is also crying because you can see his father is almost gone. And Juma tells me that he remembers only one question. No, three questions the father asks him. My son, you know you are no more my son, but you are here. I ask for you because I have three questions that I would like to hear answers from you before I die. So Juma look at his father and say, Father, you are not going to die. I'm here. And he said, Juma, you have disgraced me. You have put shame on my name. Look at your hair. Look at your earrings. Only women wear earrings in our culture. So the first question Juma's father asked him is, are you a gay? Because for Muslims, that is abomination. He said, no, I'm not. Did you kill anybody to steal his money? That was the second question Juma's father asked him. No, daddy, never killed anybody to take his money. And the third question is, do you believe in God? In a God, a creator God, the only one creator God. Say, father, I don't attend church, I don't pray, but I believe in God. I'm not a Muslim, I'm not a Christian, but I believe in God. If I'm still alive with all what I went through, I believe there is a God there watching over me. And Juma's father said, my son, thank you. That's what I wanted to hear from you before I die. I can die now in peace. Juma was holding his father's hand. He said, he told me, when the father started having some seizures and they were calling the nurses, he had a strong brief. And Juma said his father died holding his hands. And he said that scene touched him from that night. Everybody was trying to comfort him, but he said he was crying more than any other body. A relative in that uh, hospital room. His sister couldn't understand why Juma was crying that hard and, and loudly. And Juma said he, even though they took his father's corpse from the hospital bed, he still remained in that room. Nurses had to force him to get out. But his life changed after that experience. To the extent that he was hearing literally God speaking to him. He said one night he was sleeping because after that experience, six months have passed and uh, Juma has changed his lifestyle. He was always indoors, reading the word of God, meditating on all the advice and counsel the father gave him before even he left the, the home like the prodigal son. 
And he said he, he got to a point that he really wanted to do God's work. And God was talking to him literally. So that is where Juma and I, we connect. Um, we are in the Maghreb and Juma also moved in the Maghreb uh, two or three years ago. We've been there just four or five months. And uh, Juma tells me that uh, one day he hears literally God telling him to, to just stand and go out, that somebody needs him. And uh, this is uh, a country very welcoming, known for tourism. Tourism is one of their major economy, source of economy of income of the government. So you have Western tourists uh, everywhere on the street, especially in the town where we are. And uh, Juma knows that uh, God has a special mission for him when he hears clearly his voice like that. So Juma obeys, gets up like Abraham, said, Lord, where do I go? He hears, he hears a voice, turn right. He does that, turn left. He does that. And Juma sees a crowd by a bus station. So these are Maghrebians for most of them because Juma is uh, a black sub-Sahara African like me. And uh, in the Maghreb, uh, most people are white from Arab descent. And we, we have that cultural inferiority complex. But uh, upon God's call, Juma goes close to the crowd. He, he, he hears people yelling and he, he can feel confusion. And he, he tries to find out what is happening. And he sees a, a young Maghrebian girl on the ground, screaming, agitated, rolling. And people are saying it is epilepsy, it is seizure, it is asthma, it is this and that. And boldly, Juma tells the crowd, please don't call the ambulance, don't touch her. I'm here to pray for her in the name of Jesus Christ. And my grandparents look at him and everybody is... Uh, confused and astonished. What is he talking about? But Juma is so confident that uh, he rushes to, to the girl, he puts his hands on the girl and said, Lord Jesus, you asked me to come out, to just walk, and you led me to this direction. And here is your daughter, this child of yours, and I'm sure you have sent me to pray for her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells in front of that crowd waiting for the bus, I want to pray for this girl in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ will heal her, will restore her health, and you will see. And when Juma tells me that part of the story, I am deeply moved because I believe that's what God has called us to also be, to, to be his agent for prayer and healing among our Maghrebians friends from Muslim, I mean from Arab descendants with that Muslim culture that believe in Isa al-Masi, the, the messenger blessed by God to with the Holy Spirit to do miracles according to Surah 2, verse 253, that Surah al-Imran, no al-Baqarah, al-Baqarah, not al-Imran. <laughs> So Juma's, Juma lays his hand on that girl, prays for her in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, lo and behold, God answers the prayer. And that girl is 
back to her senses. She stands. She thanks Juma. Everybody looks at Juma. And what everybody can remember is the prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When Juma told me that story, I said, God, thank you for another testimony that you really want to use us through a praying ministry for your children in the Maghreb. Juma and I have committed to be praying for our Maghrebian friends. We believe that like many of them will have opportunity like Juma to hear God and to have a change life and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Juma is today working for a ministry, but he attends our worship every Saturday. He's an evangelical ministry with some Americans. It's so committed that they, Juma lives in the same apartment with one of our members of a little Seventh-day Adventist Fellowship we have in the town, in the Maghreb. And he was surprised that we were praying on Saturday, or they were praying on Saturdays, and he said, I've read that in the Bible, and can I join you guys on Saturdays to pray? And that's how I met Juma at one of the fellowship there, and uh, he told that story that really convinced me that God was calling us in the Maghreb for a special ministry. Wow, incredible. Isn't it amazing how God can rescue the wayward and the lost? Even those who have had their parents turn back on them, God has not lost sight of. It's important that we never abandon one another, just like our Heavenly Father would never abandon us, ever. If you want to reach out to us, find us on afmonline.org to learn more about praying for our missionaries lending a helping hand with resources, or becoming a missionary yourself. That's afmonline.org. Thank you, friends. Tune in next time for another exciting episode. And as always, God bless.